Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app on your iOS device. Join on my Locker Rooms with me, yours truly, Chris Castellani. I've, been, I've had a lot of fun doing them recently. So go download the app, Locker Room, on your iOS device today. Everybody, welcome into Lockdown Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. It is Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. And yes, my Michigan Wolverines are in the Sweet 16. Took me a little bit, took me a day to get back to you, but yes, they won, and I'm very happy. Today's show is the first of a two part crossover, the last crossover episodes that we're doing for the AL Central. This one with Ryland Styles of Lockdown Royals. I'm very intrigued by the Royals, and I ask him a lot of questions about that team, some of their up-and-coming prospects. Really like talking to Ryland. We go back and forth a little bit about March Madness as well. He, a big Kansas Jayhawks fan. So enjoy part one of my interview with Ryland Stiles of Locked On Royals. All right, we are here for the final AL Central crossover. We've been doing four weeks of these now. And this is the last week until opening day. And I am joined today by Ryland Stiles of Locked On Royals. Ryland, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing well. Uh, what what happened to your Jayhawks, man, the other night? Oh my goodness. It, it was a disaster. I mean, it was just an absolute disaster. Yeah, I, I mean, like they've they've had some flameouts in the past, and you know, I 2013 is the one that obviously <laughs> stands out to me, and I won't bring all that up. But I will say if there's any consolation. This never felt like a can't like one of Bill Self's like elite teams. You know what I mean? Like this was yeah. not 08. It wasn't 2012. This was a lesser tier one of his teams. Now still they were a three seed and and they played probably their worst game of the season. But they'll be back. They usually are. Uh, but and we could talk about March Madness all day. But we're going to talk about the Kansas City Royals. And this is a team that uh, I'm I'm intrigued by. And I'll just jump right into the questions here because I liked your off season. I actually liked your offseason a lot. In fact, your guys' offseason was more akin to the offseason I wanted the Tigers to have. And I guess just right now, what what grade, like on a 1 to 10 scale, what grade would you give this offseason and why? I think that you have to give it a 10 because yeah. none of the moves impact the future in a harmful way. I mean, the closest thing you have is trading away a top 10 prospect in your organization or Andrew Benatendi, who obviously, if he pans out, will be better than Khalil Lee, uh, even though I really like Khalil Lee's stuff. But other than that, none of these moves are truly harmful to developing players. I mean, Kyla's Bell is not truly ready yet. And once you depart with Khalil Lee, then the signing of Michael A. Taylor becomes a lot easier to, to take. And, and so this, this organization has done everything right so far. This new ownership group, they're paying minor leaguers. They're signing Carlos Santana, Mike Minor. They're doing minor things that get a lot of 
fans respecting them and, and carry a lot of favor with fans. It's easy. It's the smart thing to do. They haven't done anything crazy, but but they've done enough and they've and they've given the Royals fans hope. And that's all you can ask for for this team. Because look, if this team made no moves this offseason, if this team stood pat, ran it back with last year's team, just threw out young guys out there and didn't care, nobody would be calling for the Sherman's heads. Nobody would be calling for Dayton Morse job. They didn't have to do any of this, but instead they pay their minor leaguers. They go out there and get some veterans who can be interesting. If everything breaks their way, they can be a good ball club. But how often does that happen? And then they lock up Hunter Dozier. They lock up Salvador Perez. And there's talks of them still trying to get a contract on with Mondesi to keep all their homegrown talent here for the most part. They've had a phenomenal offseason. It's got to be a 10 out of 10. And you, was it last year or the year before Maryfield signed an extension too, didn't he? Yeah, Merrifield's locked up long-term. This entire group, really besides Benatendi, is locked up for the long haul. And the, the free agent signings, I was a big fan of because I, I view them as the kind of low risk, high reward deals that I would have liked to see the Tigers make. Like, do I think that Mike Miner has another 2019 in him? No, but maybe. And it's a, it's a, like I said, low risk, high reward. You're not paying him a ton. I, I want to ask you about Ben Intendi because he's been a mystery of me for, for a few years here. Cause in 2018, he was, he was a very key piece of that World Series run. Now, obviously not as important as Mookie was or as J.D. Martinez was, but batted second in that lineup and, and had a pretty darn good season. Great college player at Arkansas. What do you think it is about his game that needs fixing that you believe the Royals might try to address now that they have him in their organization? Just taking it for his own, his own words, he's talked about how he was – just for some reason, putting on more weight, trying to become a, a home run type hitter, which is not really his game. It's not really ever been his game is trying to hit home runs, but he, he tried to do that. And that's where he started to struggle and he lost his fluidity in his swing. Or you put on that muscle and put on that weight and he's gotten back to that. And I think that, that, that the Royals can help him just by playing in Coffin stadium. Yeah. If you're a double hitter, like when attendee is, you have all that space out there in the outfield. And then you have one of the best outfield coaches in the entire league to help him with any sort of defensive miscues and he's also one of the best base running coaches in the league so all that gets ironed out just by the facilities that you have here in Kansas City Uh, I don't want to talk too much about this side of the game but there has to be some level of pressure when you're struggling in Boston that will not be there if you struggle in Kansas City now I don't want to say that Benintendi just couldn't handle Boston because I think that's unfair I don't know the guy but the bottom line is in Kansas city, there's three people. And one of them is me who talk about the Royals consistently. You don't talk about the 24 <laughs> seven. And so he's not going to care what I have to say about my attendee. So that puts some pressure off of you in this new environment. Whereas in Boston, it's life or death. I mean, it, it's every single game. They treat it like it's the world series. That hasn't happened in Kansas city. It's a nice refresh for him. And again, just the, the sheer nature of how the Royals want to play speed defense. They, they don't really need you to hit, be a home run leader or want to change your swing too much just going gap to gap and doing all those little things right to kind of add up into team success, it will fit him perfectly, I think. So I think you'll have a bounce back year. And then the interesting part becomes, if he does have that bounce back year, if he does have that amazing season or this year or next year, and he's a free agent in 2022, can you then keep him in Kansas City? Can you can you re-sign him if he does have that bounce back? So that'll be fun to monitor. I do think this is a spot for him that he'll succeed in. I also think that he may have fallen into the pressure that came with being in a really powerful lineup where he was maybe trying a little bit too hard to be what JD Martinez was or to be what Xander Bogarts is or, or Rafi Devers, these big, you know, these guys who can hit 20 to 40 home runs a season where he's more of a, you know, he's, he's the occasional home run guy, probably 800 something OPS ceiling, but still a solid player. I, I think I'd really like that trade 
a whole lot. And the last time I talked with you was 2019 uh, before all this happened, right? With COVID. And one of the, one of the key questions I had coming into that season was that the hiring of Matheny as the manager and, you know, a year in, obviously last year wasn't some amazing season. You were kind of so-so about the hire. I think in general, most people were, but we also acknowledge that Ned Yost probably wasn't amazing, but is viewed in high regard because of the success that he had. Has your opinion about him changed thus far one year into his tenure in Kansas city? Yeah, I'm a lot, I'm a lot happier about the hire now that we've seen it because he's, you got to give him credit where he's actually adapted and a lot of managers, especially from his background in the backup catcher or situation, just a good looking guy that keeps getting hired over and over again. A lot of guys don't change and a lot of guys get fired and then they just roll it back and do the exact same thing in the next stop. And it's been clear, even in one year, even in this kind of weird 60 game season in 2020, it's been clear that he's truly changed his philosophies. He's managed the bullpen differently. They did in St. Louis and the players are in love with this guy. I mean, they talk at every chance they get, even unprompted, about how they'd run through a wall with him. And that was not the feeling you got in the later stages of St. Louis. And that was kind of one of his downfalls with the players in that, lock, in that clubhouse, losing the, losing the clubhouse a bit. All of that, the, the, the pitching staff, the way he's handled it, it all makes me feel better. Now, obviously, we know that managers cannot really be judged on a 60-game sample size, right. much less a regular season sample size. It's not really where, where managers make their money. But all things considered – I am happier today than I was this time a year ago about the hire. I was really on Pedro Grafal and other young guys who still have not gotten that chance yet that Matheny's gotten again. But Matheny has slowly made me a believer. And if nothing else, he'll be a really good stopgap. If nothing else, he'll be somebody to calm the ship, to right the ship, and get you over this hump of starting to starting to contend again. And once you're at that point where you're expecting the playoffs, maybe you get a new voice. Maybe Matheny's the guy And this season, I think was a long way to that because this organization has put a lot of stock into 2022. It's been a five-year plan where they've just been saying for five years, Hey, 2022, we're back. We're, we're playoff contenders. We're championship contenders. And that's coming up next year. So this year, what he does this year will determine, I think if he's going to be here for the long haul. And I think that there's all signs pointing to, he will be, and that he will be the guy for Kansas city. And when push comes to shove, if all things go right, you might remember him more as a Royals manager than a Cardinals manager. I think that the microscope was held incredibly close, you know, close up to him when he was in St. Louis. And that makes sense. I mean, his first year there, they're contending for a world championship. They're in the NLCS. I think uh, it's similar to Ben Intendi with Boston. I think there's a little bit of pressure off. He seemed a little bit more comfortable as a manager a season ago. And I'm sure he's probably grown as a manager the same way that the, the young core of players that are in Kansas City have grown. Locker Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download and use. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Join join in on the conversation with me and have a chance to be featured on the Locked On Tigers podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week on Wednesday, probably around 7, though subject to change right now. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Castellani2014 to be notified when my room goes live. 
We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is best. It is Built Bar Madness. And today's matchup is cookies and cream versus coconut almond. Uh, I'm doing cookies and cream all the way. That I love both of those things. So Yes, absolutely. Cookies and cream, ice cream is awesome. Co- cookies and cream in a protein bar, y- you can't beat it. Go to BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKDOWN15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKDOWN15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. We're covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just last week, or last weekend, I think it was Sunday, Salvador Perez, for you know, forever catcher for the Kansas City Royals, made his debut back in 2011, 2015. World Series MVP last season in 37 games was on pace to have his best season as a pro. He's going to be 31 this year, four year, $82 million extension. Were two part question. Were you surprised by the extension and two, are you happy with the extension? So there was not a lot of rumors leading up to it that it was going to happen. So I was a bit surprised that it just happened on, on that specific day. I'm not surprised that he's a world's life for now. I think at the end of this contract that really he'll have just immense value to Kansas city more so than baseball in general, that the game will kind of have passed him by at that point of being at premier free agent where he's going to just re up with Kansas city until the end of his career. So that's really fun. That was a, that was a big surprise that it happened now. I think it makes sense though, because it does take off that pressure of every day. Salvi, are you going to resign Salvi? How are the contracts going? Mm-hmm. Because he is the face of the Royals and really he's the word association nationally. If you say Kansas city Royals, you're going to say Salvador Perez. You're not going to say what Merrifield, even though what Merrifield might be a better player right now. It's still Perez. He's still the guy. He's on all the commercials, the billboards, all that. So it was surprising it happened that specific day. Am I happy with the contract? I think that I absolutely am happy with the contract because of all the other factors. Number one, I still think that his best offense is still ahead of him. I think he's truly figured something out last year. Now, of course, he's not going to have that just earth scorching, scorching pace that he had last year. Mm-hmm. But I think he can still be one of the better offensive years of his career this year moving forward. Something clipped for him these last couple of seasons that he's actually been playing, especially last year. And then I think that he can be behind the plate the whole time. I think that he can be that Molina type, especially as we creep into this contract, if you get the automatic strike zone, if you get other things to alleviate the catcher position to where you're just kind of throwing out runners, which we know that he can do. He can throw out a ton of runners all the time. So I think that he can be behind the plate the entire time. And if he's not, first base is not log jammed at all. I mean, Carlos Santana is only going to be here a couple of years and then right. you can move him over to first base. Is Solaire this amazing future piece for you that you're going to resign? Who knows? At that point, DH opens up as well. So I think that Perez can still be behind the plate. And the biggest thing is that even though this is the biggest franchise in club history, it's not a contract, the biggest one in club history, that will hinder you from making other moves. It just won't because you're not going to get these marquee free agents anyway. So you might as well retain a guy like Perez who gives you that credibility. So I really like it in general. I'm not going to go as far to say that what some people are. Some people are saying that like, okay, this move means that this ownership group will spend and spend and spend. Let's relax a bit here. The biggest contract in club history is not saying much in Kansas city. I'm not sure what he'll do moving forward. It's a good sign. And you have to give the ownership group the benefit of the doubt because they have not had the chance yet 
to sign a, a premier free agent or re-sign, you know, Brady Singer types. He hasn't had the chance yet, so we don't know what he's going to do. But I'm not going to say it's a, it's absolutely indicative of what he will do when you start talking, you know, Bobby Witt Jr., Brady Singer, who could be these 100, 200, $400 million players. So I'm not sure on the future part of it, but for Perez in general, I'm very, very excited about the deal. Is the expectation that with the new ownership group, they're going to be spending more money or is it going to be kind of a similar format to how they spent and, and how they had tremendous success in the mid 2010s there? So I think that the expectation level from fans, this is why that he's had a phenomenal game plan since he's taken over the expectation from fans and what they expect now is that he'll spend money is that he'll re-sign Brady Singer all because he signed Carlos Santana and Mike Miner. Like, right. I think that he's pulled this off to where he is just going to be this can do no wrong ownership group. And it's, it's a brilliant move in the PR world where now he's gotten all this favor by just doing the basics. Like he paid minor leaguers, which is incredible considering we're out in baseball. It's sad that that distinction earns you this amazing PR rub because you paid minor leaguers in a pandemic, but it did. It earned this incredible praise. And then you go out and just try. You just try by bringing in an old Carlos Santana and an old Mike Miner and a guy that can't hit Michael A. Taylor. That gives you this entire boost in the eyes of the fans and, and the entire baseball world. Like literally national media members are praising him right now for what he's done. I think the expectation level is he'll spend more. I think that in reality, though, this is all leading up to some good faith deals where, for example, in this year, what I've been using is, let's say this year, the Royals, everyone knew it, that everyone in the world knew the Royals were going to be good. They knew they'd be a championship contender. They've built within house and they have all these prospects coming up and they're all going to be amazing. And so then if everyone in the baseball landscape knows that, and then you have a guy like Jake Odorizzi who goes into spring training without a contract, can't really find that big deal. Maybe considering the reputation of Dayton Moore and this ownership group that they do right by their players, that they treat their guys right. Maybe a guy like Jake Odorizzi will say, you know what? I'm not getting the big deal anywhere else. Let's just go to Kansas City and try to win baseball games with a good, with just good humans in charge. I think that that's where you're going to cash in more so than signing a premier free agent or retaining a guy like Bobby Witt Jr. if he becomes that Tatis type of star that people think he can be. So I think that that's where they've really got their work cut out for them. And that's where they've really got uh, their, so to say, their reward for all of this. The reward is going to be a Jake Odorizzi type choosing Kansas City on a team-friendly type of deal just because. I think, I, and I believe you, and I agree with you, because I, I don't I never, I never, don't see the Royals ever being a team that's going to hand out a 10-year, $330 million contract. I just don't think that's in their budget. I don't think that's in their plans. But it is fair to say that they were far more active in the free agent market and in terms of, you know, just the budget as well, signing guys uh, this offseason with a, with a pair of extensions as well. And, and one thing I've always appreciated about the Royals, and it's one argument that I've made when talking about the Tigers is, you know, look, the, in terms of win-loss, they have not had a ton of success since really 2017 was the last year they were solid. But I've always appreciated the culture there, the, what Dayton Moore's built. It seems like a place that people do enjoy playing. And I, I've maintained the idea that you can maintain a winning culture and not be a team that necessarily has a winning record. And I've always respected that about them. You've brought up a couple prospects already, and I'm going to ask you about both of them. I'm going to start with Brady Singer, who I really liked coming out of Florida. And there were, and I would have been okay. Uh, some other people wouldn't have been. 
I would have been okay with them, with the Tigers taking him over Casey Mize back in, in 2018. I was that high on him. He looked, he impressed the heck out of me last year in, in the limited action that we saw of him in the 60 game campaign. What are the expectations for him this season? Is there an innings limit? Are they going to be monitoring pitch count closely or is it going to be kind of, Hey man, you're going to be our, one of our every fifth day guys. And we'll see if you, you can give us 150, 160 innings this year. Yeah, I think that he's going to be the guy that is just in the rotation from from the word go. I think you're seeing with Chris Bubich, that's not the case. They've already sit him down. Mm-hmm. He will not be a part of this rotation on opening day. The expectation is, though, that he'll be there like late April whenever you actually need a fifth starter after the off days, of course, even out, as we all know, kind of the ebbs and flows of a normal baseball season. With Brady Singer, though, it, it's just go. You're, he's starting opening weekend. He'll be that third starter because Matheny wants to go righty-lefty, righty-lefty, so he'll be that third starter. But He's starting opening weekend where a guy like Danny Duffy, who has a lot more emotional connection to Kansas City, has a lot more veteranship over Singer, is not Brady Singer. not going to start till the second series of the week uh, of the season, and it will not be until Cleveland on the road. So we're not going to get one of the first games in Coffin Stadium with fans back. So that's a big statement to me that you lean towards Singer. But again, it goes back to the righty-lefty, righty-lefty thing, and Miner's the guy in between Keller and, and Singer. But Singer, I don't think there's going to be any sort of limit or any sort of caution more so than most pitchers right I think that everyone's kind of concerned about pitchers this year in general everyone's concerned that you know they're ramping up and they had a different year last year can their arms handle it that's with every pitcher across the board other than that it's Singer from the word go he gets every single start this year if healthy and we'll see where it can take him if it's a seven inning outing where he has a no hitter going in Cleveland when the when the Chiefs are opening up their season last year or if it's a five inning outing where he struggles a bit and you take him out they're going to kind of live and die with Brady Singer and let him work out those, those different games where he's riding high or riding low because you want him, in my opinion, you want him to level all that out this year. Stick with the good, stick with the bad, because if you're truly planning on winning a championship in 2022 and, and competing in 2022, you need him to work all that out right now. That way he's ready to go next year and fully confident in himself. Were you angry last season when he had that, you know, the game you're alluding to, the the no-hitter that he did have against the Indians? Uh, were you mad that he threw, I mean, it was well over 100 pitches, and, and I'll have to check the, the baseball reference page here. Were you were you disappointed that they weren't, uh, weren't being as cautious as maybe some other teams would have been? It seems like that's Singer's M.O., though. It seems like he's going to be one of those kind of workhorses where yeah. he wants the ball, he wants to pitch that. He's been that way in college, it seems like. So I wasn't too concerned about it. Uh, I, I think that in a season like that, though, specifically, maybe you do monitor that because they, they were already out of it at that point. I mean, it was literally the first game of the season for the Chiefs. So that's how deep in the season it was where they were just completely mm-hmm. kaput at that point. And so does it really matter? On the other hand, it's Matheny's kind of old school. He's not He's not Kevin Cash. And if a guy has a no-hitter going, especially in his rookie season, they're going to let him let him ride it out and wait till he gives up that hit. And whenever, they, whenever he did give up that hit, they got him out of there gave him the round of applause and, and so on and so forth. I was not concerned about it or upset about it. I was more upset he lost the no hitter because I thought it'd be really cool right. for at least one good thing to happen in that, in that year. Uh, but still, I, I was okay with it. I think that's kind of what the expectation is for him is that he's going to be that kind of seven, eight inning deep kind of guy, even in this modern world where you're taking guys out in the fifth inning. I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of his mental makeup. I like that bulldog attitude like you just alluded to. 406 ERA last year, 1-5 ERA in his last four starts. So he he was coming along there in the latter part of September. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Today is the day the Lockdown MLB podcast begins its division preview series. It's all on the Lockdown MLB podcast feed right now. Every episode from now until the 31st features in depth looks at each team in every division. Follow Lockdown MLB on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Moving on to what is who is your highest rated prospect, and that's Bobby Witt Jr., shortstop prospect, number two pick, I believe, in the 2019 draft, three picks ahead of Tigers prospect Riley Green. First, I'll ask you this question. Just fill in the blank here. Bobby Witt Jr. is the best Royals prospect since blank. I'd say since Eric Hosmer. I, there was a lot of hype for Eric Hosmer. Uh, coming out. And I mean, I, I went down and watched him play in AAA, got him to sign all these autographs. I was so hot on Eric Cosmer. Uh, I think that Bubba Starling had a lot of hype as well, just because he's a hometown kid, but Bubba Starling was not really respected all that well in the national baseball landscape, the way that Eric Cosmer was. Right. So I think that Eric Cosmer is the answer here. And honestly, if he pans out and, and can just be even close to what the expectation level is, he'll be the very best Kansas city Royals since George Brett. And, and that's wow. a big deal. We, we've never had that in my lifetime. I mean, even those good teams, you, you watch them constantly. Did, did Hosmer make this amazing long lasting impact? Did, did Mike Moustakis or Lorenzo Kane? They were collectively really good, but who was that transcendent star? I mean, Mike Moustakis couldn't even get signed after his initial run with Kansas city. They brought him back and, and low Kane was really good. And Hosmer was really good. They got big contracts, but the second Hosmer inked that deal in San Diego, people were crying that he was overpaid and that that was a bad deal. Like no, none of those guys really transcended baseball as a superstar. And that's the, that's the hype from everyone nationally, locally, that Bobby Witt Jr. can be that superstar that puts Kansas city on the map, the Patrick Mahomes of the other side of the parking lot. And we've never seen that in my lifetime. And, and you all know that George Brett's number one, and we just kind of all told that we've never gotten to see one of those kind of guys. And with our own eyes, as, as someone who's as young as me or in my kind of age range. So Bobby Witt Jr. represents something bigger for Kansas city where he can be this Tatis like star that we've truly never seen. I mean, Johnny Damon, sure. You know, Jermaine die sure. But Bobby Witt Jr. Can be it. And for a long sustainable period in Kansas city. Something really exciting about having, you know, that guy, that number one prospect and, he has looked outstanding in spring so far. And I'll talk about that in a second, but you, you bring up that point about those 20, you know, those mid 2010 teams where, yeah, I mean, probably, probably the one that's been the most sustainable best uh, major league player is probably Moustakis. But if there's, if there's a comparison to bring it back around to a Detroit team, uh, th- that team was like the baseball equivalent of the 2004 Detroit Pistons where no, no individual stars. And yet you went up and down that lineup there was not, there weren't a whole lot of guys that you wanted to face. And Bobby Witt Jr. So far in spring, the athleticism is there. The bat to ball skills are there. You know, he's got, he's got that flashiness that you want out of a guy who's going to potentially represent a franchise. You use Patrick Mahomes as an example. I mean, the guys make it highlight. You can make an entire highlight reel every single week, just watching a, a game that or a play that, or two that he makes in one game. 
Do we see him this year? Do you think that they, that he's going to ascend up the ranks? Do you think it's not going to be till 2022 when he makes his debut? I mean, he was really close to being on the opening day roster. Wow. So I'd be stunned if we didn't see him. I mean, it, it was shocking that he was not on the roster. And I think that the tell is that this team just isn't good enough to be in the playoffs. So I think that if, if we got to this point in spring training and Dayton Moore thought, okay, this is actually a playoff team right now, we would have seen Bobby Witt Jr. on this roster right now. But because they're not truly sure if this is a playoff team, I mean, there's, there's an outside chance that if every part of this team broke the right way, they can be that second wildcard team. But you do not want to give up 26-year-old Bobby Witt Jr. for 20-year-old Bobby Witt Jr. for 12 games in a right. season which you're not going to go to the playoffs. He was really close, though, and it, it was telling to see all the national reporters, Ken Rosenthal, Alec Lewis, Jeff Passan, all reporting, oh, my gosh, the Royals sit him down. He, he's officially being not be on the opening day roster. That's how big the buzz got that people had to say, no, guys, relax a bit. He will not be here. He's going to get sent down, and, and they had it before the team even announced it. So he was close, and, and I imagine if he even remotely gets off to a good start, he will get that job because, in all honesty, if the service time was not there, right. He was an, he was much better than Nicky Lopez has ever looked in Nicky Lopez's entire career. And, and I like Nicky Lopez. He's a great defender, but he cannot hit worth a lick. And the drop-off between Lopez's defense and, what, and Bobby Wood Jr.'s defense and then Lopez's bat and what Jr.'s bat, you know, it just offsets so much to where Wood Jr. is the guy you want to go to. And so I think that we'll see him, especially at some point this season, if not soon, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. This April – where Kansas City is really easy. I mean, they should be winning a lot of games. So if you get off to that hot start and Nicky Lopez is still struggling, I think that you call up Bobby Witt Jr. as soon as you're eligible to without losing a year of service time and play that kind of game with him because he was really, really good, even dating back to last year in the summer camp against the Cardinals and Astros in those kind of exhibition games. I mean, that is a huge positive for the Royals to talk about ascending through the ranks. This was a guy drafted out of high school, uh, played a little bit in the Arizona rookie league uh, in 2019. And last year, obviously with a the pandemic, there was no minor league season. So he was on the taxi squad. I, I was talking yesterday with Mark Luino, uh, you know, draft neck Mark from YouTube. And, and I, I thanked him as a Mets fan for helping get Francisco Lindor out of the AL central. But uh, we may, we may not have another perennial all-star caliber shortstop coming through here coming through here pretty soon in Kansas City with Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, electric player and yeah like you said we could it could be a Chris Bryant Vladdy Jr. situation the service time manipulation uh, I, I don't think there's really anyone who watched him in spring so far and has said this guy isn't one of the 26 best players uh, in the Royals organization so a lot to be excited for you know, I, like I said I thought you guys had a very very good offseason I I think that's it in terms of questions for me today, Rylan. I, I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, let's get to opening day and let's get this thing started. What do you say? I cannot wait. It'll be fun the first time we get to do 162 of these things. So let's do it. Yep. I appreciate you, man. See you later. All right. So that's it for part one of the Royals Locked on Royals crossover. Tomorrow will be part two where he's asking me questions about the Tigers. That'll do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. I'll be right back here tomorrow with part two of the Locked on Royals crossover. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. See you later and go Tigers.